There have been a number of new appointees to the bench at the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. In part one of our Federal Circuit podcast series, Finnegan Partners James Barney and Eric Puckneys will discuss how the latest appointees may impact the court moving forward. Eric, let's start with Judge Richard Toronto. Have there been any noteworthy case decisions from him since his appointment? Well, Judge Toronto joined the bench in March 2013. He's got a a remarkable background. He's clerked at all three levels of the federal court system. He's clerked at the district court, at a circuit court of appeals for the D.C. Circuit, and then he's also clerked at the Supreme Court. From 1986 to 1989, he represented the United States as an assistant to the Solicitor General, and then he went into private practice from 1989 until he was appointed to the federal circuit bench in 2013. So far, some of his most significant decisions have been in the area of the patent law section 112, the requirement that the claims clearly define the invention. He's been involved in a number of decisions upholding the validity of the claims, and those would be Script Pro, Glaxo versus Banner, and Ancora versus Apple. But he's not only decided in one direction in those cases. Those are the cases where he's authored the opinion upholding the validity, but he's also joined an opinion by Judge Chen, which struck down the validity of claims on the basis of not being clearly written, and that was in the case of Interval Licensing versus AOL. James, Judge Raymond Chen was appointed in August of 2013, and he's already presided over several noteworthy cases. Can you talk about his impact on those decisions? As you mentioned, Judge Chen was uh, appointed to the court last year. He took the bench in uh, August of 2013. He also uh, has a very impressive background. He has an electrical engineering degree. He was a patent attorney at a private firm for a few years. Uh, Then he left to work at the uh, technical assistance office at the Federal Circuit. He then moved to the patent office where he spent about 15 years in the solicitor's office, rising to the level of the solicitor for the USPTO. And in that position, he uh, argued uh, a number of cases on behalf of the patent office, uh, such as Inray Bilski and Inray Kaminsky and several other very high-profile cases. He was also responsible for providing guidance to the patent office and to the patent examiner corps on policy issues and and regulations and so forth. So he's very knowledgeable and experienced, uh, I would say, steeped in patent law and the regulations that implement the patent law. Since he's taken the bench, he has authored, I think, six opinions on IP issues, and there's no real theme or sort of one direction that he rules emerging from these six decisions. Some are affirmances, some are reversals. He's reversed claim construction issues. He's affirmed on indefiniteness. He has vacated a decision from the ITC based on a procedural issue where the ITC uh, was not following one of its own rules. I think perhaps his most noteworthy case so far is in the case of Gilead versus Natco, which was handed down in April of 2014. He authored the decision. There was a dissent by Judge Rader. Judge Prost joined him in the majority. And the issue involved double patenting. It was a pharmaceutical case, but the issue was one of double patenting. And it was a very interesting question that arose. There were two chains of patents that had essentially the same disclosure, but different filing dates. And the question was whether an earlier file but later issued patent could be used as an invalidity reference against the later file but earlier issued patent under the uh, obviousness double patenting rules. 
And in a very detailed and policy-driven decision, Judge Chen reversed the district court and found that the earlier filed but later issued patent can, in fact, invalidate a earlier issued patent on essentially public policy grounds. Eric, before being appointed in September of 2013, Judge Todd Hughes was a litigator. How might his prior experience influence his actions as a circuit judge? His background as a litigator was from an interesting perspective for those of us who work in patent law. He was the deputy director of the commercial litigation branch of the civil division of the Department of Justice from 2007 until he was appointed in 2013. And then before then, he was an assistant director in the same office from 1999 to 2007. And so his background complements Judge Chen's in that Judge Chen's background was in the area of the patent jurisdiction of the federal circuit. And Judge Hughes complements that by having an expertise and having practice in some of the other areas of the federal circuit's jurisdiction. And so I think that he brings a lot to the bench with that experience. Now, in the area of patent law, he didn't participate in the federal circuit's very prominent lighting ballast decision. And in that case, the entire court sitting collectively ruled that the federal circuit's longstanding rule of not giving any deference to any aspect of a district court's claim construction ruling was reaffirmed. And even though he hasn't participated in the lighting ballast case, Judge Hughes has drafted three opinions that are fairly prominent for their reversal of district court's claim constructions, even on issues that some would consider to be factual in nature. For example, what a claim term might mean to a person of ordinary skill in the art. And finally, James, looking back at the last year since these three judges joined the court, are there any noticeable trends in the types of IP cases the court is hearing? I think the most noteworthy trend is just beginning now, but we're going to be seeing a lot more of appeals from the Patent Office because of the changes implemented by the American Invents Act, the new IPR procedures, cover business method reviews, and just the somewhat unexpected popularity of those procedures. We are going to be seeing a deluge of appeals to the Federal Circuit. So by comparison, in an average year, the Federal Circuit might hear 100 or 125 appeals from the Patent Office. Those are likely to triple, quadruple, or or even uh, grow by five times based on the statistics we're seeing at the Patent Office right now. Unclear how the Federal Circuit is going to handle that. The initial batch of appeals from IPRs, and in fact, the first one was just argued earlier this month, are likely to be very weighty decisions where they parse through areas of the statute that are um, vague or unclear and deal with some fairly important and pressing issues. Once those are taken care of, and that may take a couple years, the Federal Circuit will have to figure out how to deal with the sheer volume of appeals arising from the Patent Office. Our guests have been James Barney and Eric Puckney's partners at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.